What is a journey with no destination? In the context of a holiday, it could be an exciting adventure. But for us marketers, we can't measure the impact of our work without first setting clear objectives. And a business's impact is about much more than just the bottom line. It's about the impact on workers, the environment, community, governance, and customers. So as a marketer, are you conscious of your brand's multifaceted impact on the world? And what are you doing to ensure that impact is a positive one? Storytelling is connecting a speaker and a listener. brands, I believe, are built for the build a full customer experience. People want authenticity. This episode of The CMO Show is brought to you by Filtered Media, Australia's most respected brand storytelling agency. Telling your story brilliantly. Hello, friends. Mark Jones here. Great to have you with us again on The CMO Show for a conversation with a marketing leader at a brand with a purpose beyond profit. My guest today is Eva Ross. She is Chief Customer Officer at Sendal, Australia's first 100% carbon neutral delivery service. And just like us here at Filtered Media, Sendal is also a certified B Corp. For those of you who don't know, certified B Corporations are businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency, and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. If you want to know more about B Corp, of course, you could head to bcorporation.com.au or if you're outside Australia, bcorporation.net. In this episode, we're going to talk about how we understand a business's multifaceted impact. What does it take to build a sustainable brand and how can marketers amplify their impact through storytelling? Let's go to my conversation with Eva. Eva, so great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Now, straight off the bat, we're a B Corp, you're a B Corp, so I feel like my friends are ready. Oh, amazing. Partnership, done. (laughs) And that's kind of how it works in the B Corp land. I'd love to just get a quick picture uh, of your own career. You've landed in this fantastic role with this a really inspiring company in the delivery space, but what's the backstory? Can you summarize it for us? I'd love to. Yeah, interestingly, I was was calculating that I've maybe I've spent... 30 years in logistics, because when I was a little kid, I used to run this company called Letter Posting Kids. Uh, I grew up in Hong Kong and I lived at the top of a really big hill. And at the bottom was one of those classic, you know, British post boxes. Uh, and people used to pay me 50 cents to run down the hill and post their letters for them. So the entrepreneurial spirit's been in the blood for, the, for a long time, I suppose. And it's interesting that because I think I spent seven years at Airbnb and and absolutely loved it and loved the storytelling and the humanity and the community building. But really what it was was sort of a giant employer of entrepreneurs, people who'd taken underutilized space and and found another purpose for it. Uh, And the stories were so interesting. People had you know, had big houses and had gotten divorced and had to work out another way to, to fund them. And other people had sort of worked out a way to pay for weddings or pay to go and see friends or pay for their own travel. Yeah. Uh, and some lovely stories about people who'd, maybe their kids couldn't afford to travel, but through their guests, they'd see a map and understand what, what was for breakfast in their country or what their homes looked like. Uh, and, and I suppose that really made me an, an addict to not only the entrepreneurial spirit and, and finding new ways uh, to tell those stories, but also just the opportunities that can be created just from pure optimism, really. I think people would be interested to know from a career perspective in marketing or storytelling, what was the one thing that really kind of surprised you or or opened your eyes when you were at Airbnb? 
I mean, I think the the humanity and the authenticity of it all and, and the absolute obsession with it, right? Every casting call was for a real Airbnb host and you had to have actually travelled on the platform in order to appear in that creative. Uh, and I remember at the time in my office, you know, 90% of the employees were hosts. And I think having that real integrity and real depth of understanding of the product was just so important uh, and led to a real belief in, in all of the stories that were coming out of it. Now, to get into the Sendal space, I think some people will be familiar with with the logo and the little orange arrow. Um, the chevron. And the chevron. Isn't that a great word? Just give us a very quick snapshot of the business. It's It's come a long way in what I think is about five or six years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, I suppose my extension of that story is, you know, truly loving the entrepreneurial spirit, loving the idea that someone who's currently just making dresses in their, in their garage would go and put that on a platform and ship it and send it really anywhere in the world. And the fact that that transformation can happen quite so quickly. But the, the story of Sendal is, um, so we're a 100% carbon neutral, small business parcel delivery service, and we operate in Australia and in the US. And from Australia, you can ship to absolutely anywhere in the world. And at the moment in the US, you can only ship domestically, but plenty on the cards there, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. And um, why did the community need us was really a question of what were all the issues and the pay points that people were experiencing when they were having to line up at the post office and when you know, they were receiving bill shock when they got to the front of the queue and when they were running a bit more of a small business operation, how are they accessing the discounts and how are they accessing a free pickup for all of those parcels? Really combating all of those questions was a little bit of where the challenge was. And it's no secret that you compete with Australia Post in that context, you know, the bill shock at the at the counter, right? Uh, and been there, by the way. Yep. Uh, it costs how much to get to where? You know, exactly. I can drive there myself. But I think many people don't understand the, the, the technology side of what you do because when you say, I've been in logistics since I was you know, a small person, <laughs> uh, and we obviously think of couriers as logistics, and, and it is, right? That's we it. need to get our heads around why that's important and I think more importantly, why it's so difficult. Yeah, so so what is the disruption really? Right. I think So we don't employ any drivers, we don't have any vehicles ourselves. What we do is partner with a collection of couriers um, across Australia and also in the US. And what we do is to get a parcel from A to B, we consider what's going to be the most sustainable route, what's the best on cost and what's the best on speed and really work out what's a hybridized network or a way that you might go from somebody's home to a depot, from that depot to another depot, to somebody else's home or business, and work out the most efficient way to do that. And track it. Track it (laughs) and make sure it gets there on time and all of the right things. Um, But also just build that flexibility into the network. So if there's something wrong at a given depot at a given time, how can we really quickly reroute that uh, and not cause any impact on on your delivery or your delivery speed? And I think that's the real magic in in all things Sendal. When we think about the value proposition, consumers, of course, don't care about your tech and they just care about it being shiny and cheap and getting there fast and looking great on your website. But one of the biggest issues I think anybody who has waited for anything would be is not only just where is it, but how good is it and can I trust these people to, you know, for it to arrive on time? There's a huge expectation there. So I think in the CMO role, I'm interested to understand how do you balance all of that? Because you've got to project this 
positive image, you've got a great story, and how do you balance that out with the the customer service, you know, drama, if I can call it that, that that's endemic <laughs> in, you know, the entire logistics sector, right? You're not the only ones. Exactly right. And what, one of the interesting things about logistics is when everything's going well, it's transparent. You don't hear a peep. You don't think about it. You don't have to think about it because your your package has just arrived and you've ordered it as you expected. The reason we've combined my role, so marketing and customer support, is exactly that. Truly thinking about the customer journey from the time we acquire that customer to hopefully building some level of loyalty to being there when things go wrong. Um, the thing about looking after small businesses is we are a big part of their growth journey from woe to go. And you know we feel that we can add value in what that experience looks like. And it was an interesting time for us through COVID. I think it's important to think about what more we can do in a time of so much uncertainty. The thing we did want to do was create what are called the Sendler rights, which is really about, you know, if we don't pick up your parcel on day one, we will come the next day and we will, you know, refund the cost of that delivery if we haven't arrived on time. Things like we've got cover um, for, for small businesses will refund up to $100 of the cost of your item. So really trying to build trust and credibility in, in that full journey. Having insight into what it looks like at each stage and what small businesses need and providing ease and providing technology integrations and all those sorts of things to speed up the operational part of the business is really key. I also note the uh, strategic use of the word sendler and to sendle, right? Yes. So you're pursuing this idea that in marketing, we love to be able to imagine that we could become a verb one day. So to sendle, uh, how's that working out? It's working pretty well. I think the Sendler community has really been built out by our team that run uh, their own podcast called Hey Sendler. And that's all about the experiences of other small businesses, how they've grown their trials and tribulations, how they got started, how they learned. And one of the things that we do know about small businesses is some of the most interesting pieces of information come from other businesses just like them uh, and understanding their journeys. So we're trying to create a community around that idea. I've certainly seen the the verb use in sendling a parcel, but I'm, I'm working on the sendler community specifically. I think it's fascinating because as we are trying to understand the big picture of your marketing strategy and, and how you sort of tying the messaging together with the customer side of things, it seems that you're working on this idea that community equals scale. But what's the what's the movement aspect of this? So is it is the is the cause that you're trying to drive here? Is it the environmental one? Or is it if you think about the small businesses, it's the really championing the idea of being an entrepreneur? It's Can you give us a bit of a sense about how sure. you think about the customers in that respect? Because I think that's that's really what people struggle with, I think, is, is yeah, yeah, go build a community, get people excited. But what's the cause they're going to really care about? Well, let me take you back a little bit. So before Sendall, there was TwoShare. And TwoShare was a giving marketplace for people who really wanted to prevent things from going into landfill. So I could send something over to you, no matter which city you lived in, because you found a use for it. So sort of like an eBay, where you're paying for the shipping rather than the product. Got it. So in order to really find our way through a market there, the shipping part needed to be really easy, because the competition was basically the rubbish bin, right? Yeah. If it all looks too hard, it's just going in the bin. Yeah. And with that process, we found, okay, here are all the barriers and here are all the, the, the deterrents to going to the post office. What could we do? And one of the biggest things was pick up directly at your door. So it's basically in the same position as your rubbish bin. Uh, and to have it re be really, really affordable and a flat rate price. 
So those sorts of things really created a new market that we, we didn't realize we had. And we started to see e-commerce users, so people who had actually sold something on eBay, go and seek out Tushare yeah. to ship that product. At that point, this sort of other use case of Tushare became very clear. And so Tushare started to disappear, and so Sendal was born. And Sendal was this idea that you, know, you could ship something seamlessly and easily, and also carbon neutrally. It only figured that you know, coming from a circular economy idea that the shipping should be carbon neutral and the environment should take precedent in, in that process. With that in mind, now you've got your entire proposition, your whole community is built around this idea of how can I make things easy, simple, predictable, uh, stress-free, presumably. Simple, that, reliable, am affordable. I on, how am I doing? You, tick, tick, you're tick. just about right. Yeah, okay, yes. right. <laughs> Look, a lot of organisations struggle to get that simplicity though, don't they? To, to, really, to really boil it down. Have you faced any struggles in terms of either getting it further simplified or alternatively um, getting people to understand it? I think though, you know, what do you want from your shipping? You do want something simple and easy and reliable. What's the difference between something else? Well, I think your customer support needs to be taken care of and you need, you know, great visibility and tracking and all of the tools that otherwise you're going to have to provide and spend operational time on. Mm. So really, you know, when you think about creating a product, the last thing you want to think about is your shipping. You want to think about how you're going to build it and design it and the colors and the marketing and the box and the packaging. But really, that part of it, that, that back end, as I said, needs to be simple and invisible. Now, have you got a question you'd like me to answer on the show? Just tweet at CMO Show or use the hashtag The CMO Show. I'd love to hear from you. James Chin Moody, which I think many of us will know from his new inventor days. What's it like working for him in that context? Because clearly a lot of this thinking comes from the background that you just mentioned, but also what I imagine is a brain that never stops. Oh, it, it, it certainly is. <laughs> and uh, look, you know, he's, he's been the chair of an environmental council. He can speak in depth on all things innovation. He has a PhD in innovation theory. Uh, and so distilling that down into a single brand proposition uh, has not always been easy. But one of the things we did at the beginning of uh, 2019 was say to ourselves, well, what are the two biggest issues that kind of the world faces now? And one is climate change and the other is probably equality. And I think this was the real transition from, you know, simple, reliable, affordable to shipping that's good for the world, which has kind of been our, our mission since and proposition that we're using a lot more clearly. And when we're thinking about good in that sense, we're thinking about carbon neutrality and sustainability and also moving towards electric vehicles and other ways of thinking about you know, impacting our logistics and our services, as well as good in the sense of how we're leveling the playing field for small businesses, how we're creating additional opportunities beyond just the shipping. And really that led into uh, us becoming a B Corp. So in, in 2014, we were certified as Australia's first technology B Corp. And very, very recently, we just recertified as a, as a B Corp, which honestly is, is quite a process. The guidelines shift and um, how you look at your business really changes. But it's been a wonderful experience and something that our team are very, very proud of. Well, at Filtered Media, we, as I said at the top, we have also been through the process. So I can empathize with yes. you. <laughs> uh, it is rigorous. Um, and, you know, for a good reason, right? So for marketers and, and, and comms people, I, 
But I'm interested from your perspective, how have you incorporated that into your storytelling and how influential do you see it becoming over time, particularly from a customer point of view? We're just tapping back into that community cause uh, idea. You know, are you finding that it's it's becoming a one of the, the leading factors in, in, if you like, brand choice or brand selection? Well, it's interesting because, as I said, we, we were always more affordable um, but and we were also carbon neutral. So we used to lead in a lot of our messaging with a price point and then only to share with folks that, in fact, their delivery was carbon neutral. And then the retention factor ended up being sustainability. Okay. Now things have changed. I think particularly since COVID, people are more climate conscious. We're seeing a lot of our customers ethically and sustainably source their materials and their packaging and their processes only to then look for you know, a shipping solution that also takes those things into account. Mm. And so certainly with our entry into America, one of the most important tribes that we've been sort of tapping into is in that green space. Uh, and we've been doing work with Green Biz and other media pu- publications over in the US to really tap into that audience. Uh, and we're finding more and more of that green movement be a happy place for for our brand. You just anticipated my next question, which is how's it going in America? So yeah, so you find that niche in America and really go after that, but it turns out the niche is rather big over there. It is, it's, it's a big wedge, which is brilliant. I think the stakes are higher, the education is greater. Folks uh, where they didn't really used to understand carbon offsetting now have more questions. They've got questions on um, sustainable development goals and biodiversity credits. We have long asked our community who they want us to invest in. So we, we put out a series of different carbon offsetting projects and put it out to our community to say, hey, you know, where would you like to invest? Interestingly, people usually choose places close to home and reforestation projects, which are are brilliant and and very high value, are generally the areas that are selected. To what extent are people asking you to prove the effectiveness of that work? So all the carbon offsets, that has to keep increasing as your business grows. So, you know, there's an interesting aspect to what changes. Well, the scale of what you're doing changes, but do you have to keep retelling that story? We do. And I think the complexity of the questions is is getting greater. And mm. so we're now providing more and more educational resources and more depth and more updates on how the projects are going. Whereas in the past, a simple carbon neutral badge was enough for people and was enough for them to share with their audiences. But more and more, we're, we're being asked to supply kind of a, a greater amount of detail on that. Going back to last year and to now, what kind of percentage increase have you seen in the business and, and how has that impacted your role? Oh, I mean, it's been fun, tell you what. Uh, I think Black Friday to Black Friday was a 124% uh, increase, which was a big one. I remember thinking that we'd done a Christmas every month from from March uh, at one point, which of course is our very busy season. Yeah. So. Folks didn't sleep much. We did give everyone, we gave everyone a sendle day off and <laughs> allowed them for, to sleep for 24 hours, but then it was sort of straight back at it. So Okay, well, that sounds like a proper tech company. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> never stop, never stop. That's an incredible thing. So what impact has that had on the, in the culture and the way that you work with your internal stakeholders in your role? I think there's a growing awareness that increasingly, and I'm seeing this with many CMOs, is up to half, sometimes more of your time is is looking after those internal stakeholders and trusting your team to get the execution right on the other side. How is all of that working out for you? Are you finding yourself more and more in that you know, strategy and advisory side? Very much so. I think 
So first of all, it was a huge shift uh, for our customer support team because not only were volumes up so much, but also there were more delivery delays and there were more questions on logistics services. So I suppose the increase was even greater in that space. So there was a big hiring moment probably in the middle of last year for our support team. And then there sort of does come this time when your team really help you out. You know, we'd been through the bushfires. Rather than us just donating, we went out to the community and said, hey, what are you as small businesses doing to help people in the communities and in the bushfire affected areas? And a lot of them were running their own promotions. So rather than us funding them, we were simply offering free shipping to anybody who was you know, going out and supporting in those areas. Uh, and similarly, we we had a lot of concerns around what was going to go on post-COVID, mm. um, but more and more just found incredible stories of, like, there's one woman who used to be a Milner. Her core time of year is Melbourne Cup and um, weddings and those sorts of, of events. Yeah. Um, but she took all of those millinery skills and started making PPE and masks and rather than letting go of six employees, brought on an extra 12 and so eventually it just beco- it becomes about not only your employees and going out to them for ideas, but actually going to small businesses and saying, hey, what are you doing and, and how can we help you with it? Now, it strikes me, having looked at your website and seen the long list of partners, that you are competing for ownership of these tribes of the Milners and the small businesses. There's accounting companies, there's you know all sorts of service providers out there that would say we are for small business and they're our community right so Absolutely. effectively you're you're you know trying to grab a slice of that emotional pie how do you think about that from a a customer engagement perspective and, and you know how do you how do you treat people how do you look after your partners and and develop a plan around that knowing that you know we would like to think people have a lot of time to share their stories with us but they're also busy doing a job they sure do. <laughs> Look, I, the, the partner one's interesting. So uh, our launch with Shopify came in April of last year. So right at the time when a lot of people were starting a small business. We surveyed our customers around that time and 49% were uh, running a side hustle yeah. or a sole trader. So that these businesses were very new to them. And I think those people really needed resources on how to get started. So our role in, in that space was very much here you are, here's how to set up on a platform, here's information on how you might get a small business loan, and here are potentially some partners to go out to. So really kind of creating an ecosystem where there's benefits for everybody in that space. You're right that you know everybody's trying to tell that story. I think it there has to be something unique that we're providing. Mm. For the most part, it is the fact that we're roughing a carbon neutral solution for their shipping, but also the fact that streamlining a lot of their processes and operational parts of their business is facilitated through the integrations that we have provides a huge advantage. As I said, people want to focus on their product and marketing it, and they Mm. don't want to focus on spending time working out how to run it. And so anything that we're doing from a product marketing point of view comes back to time efficiencies and time savings. And I'm interested what role content is playing in your marketing and and how you you think about that now. Yeah, a massive role. Uh, I think all of the storytelling that we can do for those businesses. So if we're here to help them grow, how are we telling that story? What customer case studies are we doing? Um, how are we getting that out further? And that's been wonderful. And we've seen a lot of those customers share their stories. But also, as I said, you know, what, what business loans are out there? What grants are out there? How can we help them in other ways? How can we help them streamline 
what they're doing, how they're finding packaging, how they're fi finding other carbon neutral brands to work with and other sustainable brands or B Corps to work with. Um, if we can become a resource center for all of those things, then we're truly adding value beyond just shipping. And where are you at on the whole do a big integrated campaign thing? Some people love it. Some people say, ah, not so much. We're early. From my point of view, small businesses live on Instagram. They shop on Instagram. They get inspired on Instagram. They themselves market on Instagram. And more and more, they have a shop available on Instagram. So that's exactly where we need to be too. Yeah. Um, look, it's, it's a battlefield. Uh, yeah, it but is. But the platform is really right for the sort of content that we have. And I think as we go more deeply into kind of key vertical areas and sustainable-based marketing, Instagram feels really right. How do you see that universe playing out in terms of um, some of the traditional things we've relied on, like you know, um, influencers and different uh, approaches to paid versus organic? And it's an endless list of things that you're supposed to optimize these days. It is. What's the best approach that, that works for you? Uh, I think, you know, posting natively is always a, a great way to go. But I think we're starting to have some success with influencer marketing, particularly in the US and particularly within particular verticals. So more and more, the reseller marketplace mm. space is growing. So people talk a lot about carbon neutral shipping. People also talk a lot about how can you reuse an item and how can you share that item and so having those influencers who have been really important in the reseller domain speak about uh, the shipping services that they're using has been working quite well for us. I guess maybe, you know, long term you'll be looking after Instagram then what, right? So, so that's, that's the ever. Absolutely. <laughs> Something that really fascinates me at the moment is large corporates increasingly talking about purpose as, as the thing that holds them together in, in troubled times. Um, Small business world is is slightly different and far more dynamic in terms of immediate needs, and it can be far more driven by uh, survival and all those sorts of things, and just get this thing done right. Busy, 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 and less less time for the for the big picture stuff. Mm -hmm. But having said that, um, from your perspective, this conversation about being very close to customers is clearly taking place. You, you've got a purpose that's understood and, and being communicated. The last piece that I'm continuing to explore is this notion of impact, which I noticed is uh, being measured and tracked on your website in terms of what you're doing. Tell me about how you've connected those ideas because I think this impact piece is a really interesting one because we haven't, as a marketing community, really got our heads around how to measure impact, right? And how to tell that story and even whether there's a question, I think, in many CMOs' mind as to whether anyone's interested in that anyway, right? Exactly so, right. But I think that's where it's going. So what's your perspective on that? Well, our two key brand pillars really are sustainability and design for small business. And so I suppose if I think more deeply about what change we can make within sustainability, it has to be an industry-level change, right? Mm. It, it can't just be us offsetting our individual parcels so transport makes up 17% of the world's global greenhouse emissions, and it's all very good that we're doing our part. But I think one of the bigger things we did uh, a year or so ago was challenge others to join us. So uh, mm. we created a campaign where we challenged the industry, and in particular Australia Post, to join us uh, in offsetting their emissions uh, through a sticker campaign where folks were encouraged to put a sticker on their parcel and we would offset it for them 
uh, basically on behalf of Australia Post and ended up setting, offsetting over a million parcels, which was uh, a wonderful thing. And the great thing is that now Australia Post do offset parcels in the uh, SMB category. Uh, and and when you go to the post office, so that's that's a huge that's a huge win for the industry. Yeah, transport and logistics, as you say, is 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 enormous, and so that's probably the other big cause, right? So from an industry perspective, being able to continue to drive that, uh, much like we're seeing in you know the electric vehicle market, right? Same same sort of structural changes that are are going on. So I guess I imagine then for you the balance in terms of your effort and focus will be. Uh, how you prioritise that versus our business in the day-to-day, right? That's right. I mean, on the other side, I suppose, so if our second pillar is designed for SMBs and for SMBs, it's really about that levelling the playing field piece. Mm. So if you, as a small business, want to send a parcel, generally there's a minimum order quantity that's required for you to get a discount. Whereas on Send All, you can send your first parcel as a business and we will provide that discount to you. Mm. And that's you know 15 to 70% cheaper than sort of general competitors. But we'll also provide you all of the tracking, all of the tools. A, a lot of aggregator services require a subscription fee. You know, we'll make that freely available to you. That's uh, the first attempt at the way we're providing extra value. Um, but yeah, what, what those cost savings look like in aggregate really does get quite big when you're running a business for the longer term. So what are you worried about, you know, as you think about the future? Is there, I mean, it all sounds great, right? But there's got to be issues. I mean, firstly, attacking Australia Post isn't something to be done lightly, I would have thought. No, certainly not. Um, but look, I think, uh, look, we're, we're, we're all in the same industry. I think we're trying to make that change more generally as to have a a greener network and feels like we're all taking the right steps in that direction. I think the next thing is really what else, right? Carbon offsetting is great, but we have started to work with uh, Bonds Careers on their electric vehicle network. So all of the deliveries that we do very locally in Sydney are done so using off-grid electric vehicles. We're trying to roll those systems out further. But I think looking a bit more to the future as to, you know, how do we get to net zero maybe in 2030 rather than in you know, 2050, as, as we're seeing in Paris. And, and what are we doing as in the industry to make that change? I'm really thinking about those things. And I'm thinking about, do consumers really care? So, you know, you'll, you'll read a lot of surveys about how people are willing to potentially pay more for a sustainable service. Um, I'd like to see all of that really coming to light. But we have to follow, you know, Everlane are a, a great example of a company that has real transparency on, you know, where was the sweater produced? What was it produced by? How can I find all of that information out? Our consumers these days, they want that level of depth. So thinking more deeply about how we can show that, you know, across different businesses uh, has been top of mind for me. Well, it sounds like you might be looking for, you know, more conversations with partners to that effect, right? So again, the scale through multiple organizations thinking the same thing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, it's really interesting to see how that you've connected the purpose with the, if you like, the very detailed processes that are required to to bring this all about and, of course, how you tell that story. So it's a great example and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. So that was my conversation with Eva Ross. I hope you enjoyed it. i, I got to tell you, it never gets old to have a cracking yarn with a fellow storyteller and especially one who's part of the B Corp community. 
package delivery, it's a little bit innocuous when you think about it, but this is an organization that's taken a completely different take on it. And it's really interesting the way they have thought about it from a customer perspective, how to to make it really suit the target audience uh, from an SMB perspective. Sendal is thinking about the whole sector, transport and logistics and, and package delivery. How can they be part of more structural change? And those sorts of lessons can be applied in any sector, whether you're a B Corp or not. How can you think about the positive impact you could make more broadly beyond your own four walls? And I'd challenge you to think about your brand's impact. Think about how you can make that change. What could you do to make the life of your employees better? How could you help the environment, the community at large and governance and customers and anywhere there's change to be made for the better? So what can you do to make a difference? Now, before I go, are you following us on Instagram? We drop upcoming episode teasers, throwbacks and videos regularly. So head over to at the CMO show podcast and support the show. And as always, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. So thank you once again for joining us on the CMO show. As always, it's been great to have you with us. Until next time. CMO Show is brought to you by the team here at Filtered Media. The show is produced by Charlotte Goodwin and Stephanie Wu. It's engineered and edited by Tom Henderson and Daniel Maher.